Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Before I jump into this morning's message, it, it occurs to me that on this uh, Lenten Sunday, uh, that all of us have been kind of forced into Lent, that all of us have given up something. Uh, that all of us on Ash Wednesday, we, we come together, we receive ashes, and we say, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. It's a way of allowing ourselves to recognize our own mortality, to connect us to the hope of resurrection. And what a season where we recognize where there's so many who are dying from this disease. And so we're, we're recognizing kind of our own mortality. We're also brought into the season of want and of longing and of expectation for things to be made new. And so I think that right now, the entire world is kind of thrust into the themes of the Lenten season. And I do pray that God would give us discerning hearts um, in this season so that we can not only come out to the other side, um, but be better for it and be more connected to the purposes of God as a result of it. Well, I want to um, go now to our time of uh, just hearing from God's word. Uh, we're in this series that we're simply calling The Church, and this series was planned a long, long time ago, months ago. Uh, and yet what a, what a time for us to be really challenging ourselves on what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to do church? Um, and so what we're doing is we're looking at kind of three key metaphors that the scripture uses to help us understand the mystery of this thing called church. Uh, and just to remind us, and we've talked about this before, but a mystery is not something that can't be understood. A mystery is something that can be endlessly understood. In other words, there's so much to be understood uh, about what it means to be the people of God uh, that regular language falls short. And so what scripture consistently does is turn to metaphors to describe uh, what is the gathering of the people of God that is called the church? What is that? What are we supposed to be doing? Um, and so it kind of connects us to understand ourselves and our work in the world or who we are and what we're to be doing. And last week we looked at one of uh, the central metaphors of the body, the body of Christ. And this week we'll look at a metaphor uh, that was first used by the prophet Isaiah and then picked up by Jesus. And so I actually want to begin uh, reading from Isaiah chapter 25. Um, and you, uh, this is not listed in your resource guide, so just hear it with us. Uh, but it says this, Isaiah chapter 25, the first five verses. It says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. For you have made the city a heap, a fortified city of ruin. The palace of aliens is a city no more, and it will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the needy in their distress, a shelter from the rainstorm and a shadow from the heat. Beginning with verse 3, let me read it again. Therefore, strong people will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you, for you have been a refuge for the poor, a shelter from the rainstorm, 
and a shade from the heat. The prophet Isaiah it seems to indicate that God's care for the poor is a shelter from the storm. He'll go on to say in Isaiah chapter 32, just a few chapters later, as part of his prophetic vision, he'll go on to imagine a king who will rule with justice and righteousness and whose rule will be a shelter from the storm. It says this, See, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule with justice. Each will be like a hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest, like streams of water in, the, in a dry place, and like a shade, like the shade of a great rock in a weary land. According to the uh, prophet Isaiah, the Messianic age, that is the age of when the Messiah would come, the Messianic age would bring shelter to the oppressed and the vulnerable and be a safe haven from the weary world. And then at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus closes this famous sermon uh, with three metaphors, three. <laughs> two roads, the first one is of two roads, one that is wide and leads to destruction and one that is narrow and leads to life. The second metaphor is of two trees, one that bears good fruit uh, and lives while the other bears bad fruit and is cut down. And then the final metaphor that Jesus chooses to close the Sermon on the Mount is the metaphor of two houses. And I want to read that uh, to you this morning. It's our principal scripture. It's found out of Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 24. And it says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was its fall. Now, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, Jesus chooses at the end of the Sermon on the Mount to pick up on this word picture, this metaphor that the prophet Isaiah had used 800 years earlier. Um, and so I want to just take a moment to understand the Sermon on the Mount in its context. The Sermon on the Mount is essentially the manifesto of Jesus' kingdom. Now, there are, of course, other teachings of Jesus, but the Sermon on the Mount is really central as one of the most important teachings, as in it he lays out the nature of his own kingdom. So I want you to imagine a, a, being a people that were living under the occupation of a violent empire, who were seeking desperately for rescue, for liberation. And then you begin to hear of one who was rumored to be the long-awaited Messiah, the Messiah that generation after generation after generation had longed for and had talked about. And now the rumors are swirling that the Messiah has come. And this Messiah, this, this would-be Messiah, is going to gather on a hill near Lake Gennesaret and give his manifesto, 
And so they gather in droves to hear his call to arms and begin the revolution that will win back their freedom. (laughs) Now imagine their surprise when this so-called Messiah began to announce that in his kingdom they are to practice enemy love, forgive those who have wronged them, and store up for themselves not treasure on earth, but treasure in heaven. Now this was certainly shocking, but it was also maybe even disappointing to a crowd ready for violent revolution and liberation. And so 800 years after the Isaiah had envisioned what the Messianic age would look like, Jesus picks up that metaphor because, as a way of hinting at to the crowd that he understands that he and his followers are in fact ushering in this messianic age that will be a shelter from the storm. And so Jesus envisions that the kingdom he is building would be the shelter from the storm that Isaiah had pictured eight centuries before. And I feel like this is such a beautiful metaphor for the church, that the church is to be a shelter from the storm of weary, fearful, and busy modern life. Maybe one of the gifts that COVID-19 has given to us is it has slowed us all down. But previous to this, all of our worth, all of our value, at least in America, is kind of wrapped up in our productivity. How much do we produce? How good are we uh, at at our jobs and our careers? And all of our value is based upon that. And yet, the church is to be this place that doesn't follow all the typical narratives, but rather draws us in as a shelter from the storm of weary, fearful, busy modern life. Can I allow you to hear my own heart in these days when we have this this mandate of physical separation, and this is the good and responsible thing to do to help keep ourselves and others safe. My goal in these days of digital gathering and of uncertainty is not to produce a professional worship service that you can watch on your TV or computer. Rather, my goal is to speak to you honestly, openly, authentically, about the hope of Jesus Christ in uncertain times. My hope is that these, even these digital gatherings will be a shelter from the storm of fear, a place where we can be honest about our concerns, but also find hope in the comforting presence of God who shows us the way of self-sacrificial love and who gives us hope of new life. Amen? You guys are pretty quiet today. (laughs) on the emojis. (laughs) But the question remains, what does it look like to be a shelter from the storm in these days? Um, Not only in these days of physical separation, but also what does it mean to be a shelter from the storm once we're able to gather back together again? And to understand that, I actually want to turn to the beginning of the sermon. On the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount begins with what are commonly known as the Beatitudes. 
And in this teaching, Jesus says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Uh, and blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And so he has this whole series of statements that begin with blessed are, and then he describes a condition, and then followed by a reward or a gift based on that condition. And, and, here's, and it includes things like the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, or some translations say justice there. Those who are merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. And here's what I used to think. I used to think that the Beatitudes were a list of the kind of person I needed to become. That I needed to find a mechanism or a way to learn how to be poor in spirit, meek, or pure-hearted. And those are probably good and worthy goals. But I've come to see that the Beatitudes are not so much instructions on how to live. Rather, the Beatitudes are an announcement of the kind of people that will be blessed by the arrival of the kingdom of God. <laughs> I want to say that again because it changes everything of how we read and understand the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are not so much instructions for how we ought to live, although those are probably worthy goals. Rather, they are an announcement of the kind of people that will be blessed by the arrival of the kingdom of God. Think about this. The people that are blessed by the arrival of the kingdom of God, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who are hungering for justice, the merciful, the pure-hearted, the peacemakers, and the persecuted. I would imagine that in days like these, there are at least there's at least one of those in the list with which we can deeply identify. Many of us find ourselves feeling poor in spirit as we long for personal connection. We mourn the loss of jobs, loved ones, events, or activities to which we had given so much energy and investment. We find ourselves hungering for justice and for things to be made right. So this is not a list of things we need to become, but rather this is an announcement of the people who will be blessed by the arrival of the kingdom of God. And here's how I want to connect this to the church. Since the church is to be kingdom people, then it also means that the church should be good news for those who are poor in spirit, the merciful, and for peacemakers. It means that the church should be a shelter from the storm where people can find rest, peace, hope, and love. I think a beautiful metaphor for the church is a shelter from the storm. And Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount by saying the way in which we build our house on the solid rock is by following his teaching. The way that we become the shelter of the storm is by making sure our foundation is not on programs and all of these things that have been stripped away in this season, but the way in which we become a shelter from the storm is to root our lives personally and our lives corporately in the teachings of Jesus. Primarily as outlined on the Sermon on the Mount, but all of the teachings of Jesus. 
Because when we follow the words of Jesus, we are like the one who has built his house on a rock. And so I want to end with this. What if the church, that is the capital C church, and what if our church began to live in such Christ-like ways that the announcement of the good news of Jesus was not just good news for the well-to-do and the self-sufficient, but was good news for those who mourn, for the persecuted, for the merciful, for those who long for justice, for peacemakers. That, to me, is a beautiful metaphor that stirs my imagination. Because we could say, on one hand, the church is the new community that God is building that is called to embody the kingdom of God. And to which I would say a loud and affirmative amen. But that picture of the church doesn't stir our imagination. That just kind of prose doesn't stir our imagination. But the picture of the church being a shelter from the storm of a divided, weary, and fearful world, that stirs my imagination. That metaphor captures something in my heart and draws me and motivates me to try to be the church in a real and authentic way. Certainly all the time, but particularly in this time. And so it stirs my imagination, and I hope it stores, stirs yours as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today we come to you, thanking you for this metaphor, first from the prophet Isaiah, and then picked up by Jesus, that your people, those who profess faith in Jesus Christ, would be a shelter from the storm, would be a place of refuge for the oppressed, would be a place of care for the poor. God, help us in these days to know how to work that out, um, to not just say it uh, into a computer screen or affirm it in our, in, our, in our living rooms, but God, would you stir our imaginations of what it might look like to live this out. So God, be with us in these days and in these moments. Thank you for your presence that unites us together. Be with us now as we gather around your table. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.